0: Welcome to the Grove Church Podcast and thegrovekc.com. Our mission as a church is to encourage people to discover true treasure in Jesus Christ. We hope you find today's teaching helpful and encouraging. Thanks for joining us. Well, we are we are wrapping up this series called Close and Far Today. We started the series. Uh, and and we, we started it, I was talking about movies from the 80s, right? That's just kind of where I tend to live. But uh, today's message is brought to you by the 90s, okay? So am going to mix it up a little bit. In the 90s, a decade that very often does not get its due, okay? So, so today is brought to you by the 90s, and you will see that that has really very little to do with what we're talking about. Uh, but it was a way for me to get into talking about what's really important. The, the 90s was a combustible Decade. Okay, I want to take you back. This is right before the 90s, late 1989. Billy Joel tells us, we didn't start the fire. It was always burning since the world's been turning. Okay, so, and from there began a theme that I think you see throughout the 90s again, this combustible decade. It was just a few short years later uh, that one of the greatest video games of all time, NBA Jam, came out. And if if that guy got got to uh, making shots, then suddenly he became unstoppable. In fact, he was on fire, right? Is what they would say in the game, NBA Jam. And then and then not long after that, uh, one of the the great icons of the 90s. Just it became. It was a decade marked by. Sports Center and, uh, and Sports Center broadcasters became like superheroes. And so there you got Dan Patrick, his trademark cr- catchphrase saying, dare I say, en fuego, in talking about some highlight, something that had happened. Okay? There's a lot of references to fire in the 90s, and, and that's just getting started there. But I, I want where this, this actually takes a meaningful, I hope, turn uh, is that uh, it was in the 90s, again, when I became a Christ follower, and it was in the 90s where I would hear as I began to walk with the Lord and learn what that was all about, I'd hear people refer to being on fire for the Lord. And it became this thing that, well, I want to be on fire for the Lord. And you'd see people, and they'd say, oh, he's so on fire for the Lord. Oh, she's on fire for the Lord. And, and so you have sentiments like, like ones you see here. Right? One person on fire for God can change the world. It sounds awesome, right? One person on fire for God. In fact, there's this famous quote that was often attributed to John Wesley. He, he didn't really say it, or at least there's no proof that he ever said it. Uh, Light yourself on fire with passion, and people will come from miles to watch you burn. This is kind of sentiment developed And maybe it existed before that. Again, I've got a short history, right? So I can only go back as far as the 90s. But maybe those kinds of sentiments existed before. But it was a time when this idea of being on fire for the Lord, and especially if you're going to talk about mission like we've been doing the last few weeks, this idea of mission and being on fire, they seem to go hand in hand. And so we're going to explain a little bit more about what it means, what we should mean, or what we're really trying to get at with this idea of, of being on fire. I'll explain more in a later, but I, I want to first review. So if, if you will, you can turn if you've got it. Uh, if you've got a Bible, you can turn Matthew 28. If not, the one in front of you is a gift to you if you'd like to have it, or you can just use it while you're here. Matthew 28, 16 to 20, page 900 in that Bible in front of you. And we're going to turn there, and we're going to look again, as we did last week, at the, the specific verses known as the Great Commission. We started in verse 16. We said, hey, there's, there's some things going on here that are really important for us understanding what Jesus actually says uh, at this point. But I want to just go back to verse 18. Jesus came near and said to them, all authority, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. you know, we'll stop there, and you know there's a little bit more there, but I want to stop right there. Okay, that, that is what we looked at last week, what we call the Great Commission. What we said last week is that the Great Commission, to understand it rightly, understand what Jesus is saying when he says, all authority has been given to me on heaven and earth. The Great Commission is the king's edict. He is the king. And it's his edict to create a culture a kind of, of life together, a culture made up of disciples. And a disciple is someone who declares a new story, understands that there is a big story of which all our other stories are derived, declare a new story, depict a new allegiance. Baptism is about de- de- depicting, showing that our allegiance has shifted. We can, we can be Americans, that's great. We can be Chiefs fans and part of Chiefs kingdom, that's fine. But when we say I'm a disciple of Jesus, what we're saying is I have a new allegiance. My ultimate allegiance is to the king of not just a country, not just of a specific domain on on earth, but the one who has authority in heaven and on earth, all the universe. So we depict a new allegiance and we demonstrate a new way of living. This is really about a whole life that is oriented around our king and what he says is good. And the beauty is, is what he says is good is, in fact, good. It's not just good in us, it's good for us. And so, what we see then is is that we have this mission. And what we understand is, as local churches, that we have a part to play in this happening. This isn't a solo effort. That local churches, they do this together. So the way we talk about this great commission here at the Grove, just, just the way our, our verbiage okay, is that we, our mission, like I kind of mentioned in a different way earlier, is that we encourage people, we want to encourage people to discover true treasure in Jesus. That's our mission, encouraging people to discover true treasure in Jesus. It's all those things I just said. Those are people who become disciples who are declaring a new story because they know that, that, that real, it is the real story. They depict a new allegiance and they, they demonstrate a whole new way of living because they know that that's where true treasure is found. That's where real value exists. All going back to the king. There's another way that it's described. Colossians 1.13 talks about what it means to be a disciple Again, it all fits together. We're told He has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the Son He loves. That's, that's again, what we're saying. It's just another way. We have been transferred, we've been saved, rescued. We're in the domain of darkness, the kingdom of darkness, and we are rescued and brought into the kingdom of the Son, of the true King. And so all of this together, means this, that we are tasked, okay, that this task that we talk about, this great commission, it's a task not simply with getting people to mark a different mark, a different box on their demographic survey, okay? That's, that's not what we're talking about here, is, is how do we get them to mark the, the Christian box on the survey versus whatever the other options are, okay? Our commission, in fact, is to be part of the development of a, of a different kind of person, to borrow another 90s reference, this is about, being a, 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 about there being a new way to be human, okay, for you Switchfoot fans out there. I knew that would only be it for a few of you, okay? <laughs> I had to still throw it in there. See, our commission is part of, again, developing a different kind of person. It's about one who has come to embrace an entirely different but all-encompassing understanding of where this world came from and where it's going, again, that different story. It's one whose embrace of that story has resulted in believing loyalty to Jesus as the king. And then, again, third, that loyalty yields a person who knows that their destiny is bound up in obeying and becoming like Jesus. That's, that's again, what we're talking about. I'm, just, I'm repeating these things in a few different ways because I want you to understand that's what we're, we're dealing with here. Because sometimes we hear commission, great commission, our minds go to like one little sliver of that. Pick your sliver, whichever one you like best. But this is a big, big thing. And this is what God wants to do in us, but it's also, it's a commission, right? He's given us authority because it's also what God wants to do through us. That this is the task, a whole new kind of person, a whole new kind of culture, a new way of living. Can I just stop there and, and can we acknowledge like, that's a lot. That's heavy, okay? Like, there's, there's a lot to that. And if, if, you, if this whole talk, everything I'm talking about is, like, brand new to you, you didn't know we talked about stuff like this in church, then that's fine. But, it, but if you've been around a little bit and you've had these conversations about the Great Commission and mission and all these things, then you know. That there's those times where, man, this feels, this weighs heavily, and I think then we know this, we know the heaviness, and so we try to find images like being on fire to help us, help stir us beyond the inertia that keeps us stuck in neutral. Right? Because guess it's this big thing, but it weighs us down and we get kind of just stuck going, yeah, I mean, that, that sounds great, but... How am I gonna how am I gonna do it? How am I gonna get out of here and, and go and, and be a part of all the things that God seems to want me to do? And so we we see people and we, we use these images. I I'm on, he's on fire, she's on fire, I want to be on fire, and, and we want to get fired up and you know start like banging our heads against each other even though we don't have helmets, you know, that's not a good idea. Fortunately, okay, fortunately, Jesus knows this too which is why he didn't stop where I did in reading Matthew 28, 20. Okay, so let's read the rest. He says, go, therefore, do all that, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you, and remember, in other words, don't lose this. This is what you need as you're going to go. Remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Why does Jesus close his commission with this reminder? And what does it have to do with being en fuego? We said, week one, that worship is the fuel for mission. But fuel needs a spark for combustion. Fuel can sit there. It can just be fuel and just, just sit there. But you've got to have a spark for combustion. And so I want us to understand the spark of mission is not the zeal that we muster, but the presence and power that Jesus provides. Okay? That, that's, that's where we got to start here, or finish here, as we're talking about this, right? It's, it's not the zeal that we muster, but the presence and power that Jesus provides. So, so here's big idea. The commission can only be accomplished because the one who gave it gave us himself. The only way this makes any sense, the only way there's any chance of us having anything to do with all that Jesus has been talking about here and and really all that he was all about is to understand that we can only accomplish it because he gave us himself. And that's nothing new. God's been saying this about himself and about his relationship with his people for centuries, for for millennia. Isaiah, Isaiah 64, 4. He says, from ancient times, no one has heard no one has listened to, no eye has seen any God except you who acts on behalf of the one who waits for him. See, there's this this radical dependence that has always been a part of God and his people. He creates us to live in dependence upon him. And the Great Commission is no difference. And so if we're talking about being disciples, a a disciple knows that wherever King Jesus commands, he also provides. This isn't the case with every king, right? Many kings, and I know we don't live in a a monarchy, but we know enough, right? You read King Arthur, that kind of stuff. But many kings simply make demands. I mean, they're just, or, or you can even relate them to just any boss, right? Hey, here's the demand, go make it happen. And there's not something wrong with that per se. You have authority. You tell somebody to do something, you go do it. That's a certain kind of authority. That's really good. But, but that's often just our experience. Well, it's just a king who makes demands. But see, the difference with Jesus is he's the king who makes demands and then makes it possible for them to be met. And he says, he says, I'm with you. Right? Like, I want you to do this. But remember, I'm with you. And and when always, to the end of the age. He he says, I've been given all authority, and I want you to then teach everything, all the things that I've commanded you, and I'm going to be with you all the time. It's a lot of alls. He's got this. He, He wants us to know. He's got us covered as we set out to obey him. And this is, again, we were thinking about this Go another 90s reference, right? Sometimes we think about God's help like angels in the outfield, right? Like we're Matthew McConaughey and oh, now's the time, the game's in balance, we're not sure how it's going to turn out. Make the call and here, come, here comes God or the angels to come swoop in and help us. He says, no, my, my presence doesn't come and go. I'm with you always to the end of the age. And this is, I think, the, one of the big questions that pops up for us is if we, we set out to be a part of what God wants to do in the lives of other people and how he wants to use us in ministry and such, is, is Jesus really with me? Is Jesus really with me? The first thing I will say to that is, well, that's the gospel. This is the good news. Like, it doesn't get any better than this. There's not some greater promise or hope. The great hope of what we talk about as Christianity the great hope of this is that God is with us. That's, that's what we celebrate at Christmas, that God didn't leave us in our sin. He didn't leave us in our rebellion. He moved into the neighborhood. He came to us. What we couldn't do for ourselves, he did for us. And what he does as a result of that is he brings us into his family to be with him forever. That's the hope that we're celebrating here. That's what this whole life, that, again, that story, that new that's the story God hasn't made us and just gone off and done something else. He didn't look at the fact that we didn't want him to be God and say, well, all right, tough, you're by yourself. No, he pursues us and he brings us back. And he didn't do it just with like some nice ideas, nice words. No, he did it at the sacrifice of himself. He entered into the suffering that our human rebellion creates, took it upon himself so that he could rescue us from this sin. This is the news. I mean, this is, again, it doesn't get any better. That's the great hope. And so if we're wondering, well, is Jesus really with me? Well, that's what he came to tell you. That's what he came to, to make possible. But I also know it's not, it's not always that easy. And so my own testimony, trying to, in these, these times of wanting to be on fire and, and be used by the Lord, without getting into all the details, I, I mean, a lot of my efforts... If you're talking about specifically evangelism, me talking to somebody who, who I know doesn't know the Lord, maybe I know, but but I'm not unsure of where what their status is, or, or just meeting somebody randomly, right, which is what we tend to think of is like, let me just go walking around, talking to all the people I meet, and there's nothing wrong with that. But in, in my experiences with those things, largely my track record is I've either hurt people or I've had very little success of, of anything that's that seems very very prominent now there's other things there's stuff mixed in there but if you just ask me okay well how does that tend to go if you just start talking to somebody about jesus well it it's not always the greatest thing i've had some good things but but it's easier for me to find those 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 situations a lot easier to find the situations where it went wrong and go well jesus what what's i mean what's the deal like maybe maybe this isn't for me I just shouldn't put so much emphasis on this. And if I'm honest, and I look back at a lot of those things, the the issue there was not the faithfulness of Jesus. It was my attempt to be the spark. It was my thought that I had to be the spark. That I had to be the one that was going to get this whole fire burning for somebody else. So one of the things I've had to learn, and I want to encourage you in, is When we talk about Jesus' presence, what he's just said here is, relax and trust. How do we know that Jesus is with us? Because he said so. He said, I am with you. And we're told in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, we walk by faith, not by sight. What that means is, there are all these times where we just have to go, Jesus, I don't get this. I don't see it. I'm not sure how it's going to turn out, but you said it, so I'm going to act as if it's true. Now, that's not me saying I have no reason to believe that it ever could possibly be true, but it is by faith we say, I, I'm not sure here, but I'm going to trust you, and so I'm going to take a step, assuming that what you said, you will do, and you'll come through in. So... This is where we get started, okay? We take him at his word. And with that, I want to, just the rest of our time, give you three ways in which we benefit from Jesus' presence. Three ways in which the, the reality of this shows up for us, okay? The first thing, know this, that with Jesus, burdens are made light, okay? Burdens are made light. This is a major part of his ministry Prior to his crucifixion, he's coming and he's teaching and, and in the, right in the smack dab of, of what he's done, he makes this, this statement. He comes to, to the people he's teaching and he says to them, Matthew 11, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take up my yoke and learn from me because I am lowly and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light, right? He, he answers, when he's addressing this here, he's talking about the weight that comes from us trying to just do life on our own, apart from him, you're just getting started. Just the, the weight that exists. If, if you don't know Jesus, and you're just trying to say, how do I make sense of the world? How do, what is the true story? Where does my allegiance belong? What is the way of living in this world? That becomes this massive burden. And Jesus is speaking to us, saying, come to me. If you're weary, if you're worn out by that kind of of living and and insecurity and uncertainty, come to me and I will give you rest. Now, it's the same message that he would say to us, right, who have come to him. So if we're sitting here looking at this commission going, Jesus, this is heavy. How am I going to do this? I think the message is the same. Come to me. I'll give you rest. And he says, take up my yoke and learn from me because I am lowly and humble in heart. Now, so, so notice this. He says, come to me. He doesn't say, hey, come to this program. If you'll just, if you'll just do these steps, right, it, and, and really, we'll, we'll waive the shipping costs. But if you'll, if you'll just sign up for my program, this will all be great. He says, come to me. Right? Not this, this religion per se, but come to me. Come, come trust me. Walk with me. Take up my yoke. And here's where it gets funky, because it's rest that involves strapping on a yoke. And I know that not many people here, you're going to go home today and go, you know, strap up the yoke, you know, the the oxen with some yoke and go plow the fields. I know that's probably not going to be most of our experience today. There may be somebody here who's still doing that. That's fine. There's plenty of people who do do that, just not necessarily right near Gladstone, okay? But we know, we know that that strapping on a yoke, like, that in sounds like work. Like that's there's work involved with that. We're, we're talk, he, he's making the comparison. Hey, like let's put this yoke on and, and let's do some work. But he says the yoke is so easy, his burden is so light that instead of weighing you down, it lifts you up. That, that's what he's implying here. How is that possible? Well he says, learn from me. Again, we, we think of a boss, we th- think of that certain kind of king, and, and Jesus is not simply giving you a different job and saying, trust me, this will be great, you're going you're to love it, this is going to be great. Right? I, I know it feels heavy, but you, you'll, you'll figure it out. That's not what he says. He says, learn from me. He, he's something, saying something far greater. When he invites us to take on his yoke, right? He says, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. When he's inviting us to take on his yoke, he means the one that he's wearing. He's not asking us to do something apart from him. He says, no, no, no. I'm wearing this thing. You're going to learn from me. And that's how it's going to lift you up instead of bog you down. And so this is how his disciples learned. They, They began to understand God is the one working. Paul, the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 3 says, he, he, there's this, this dispute and this competition rising up and this person, their ministry is really great and this other person, well, their ministry is better and this whole thing. He says, what then is Apollos? What is Paul? They are servants through whom you believed and each has the role the Lord has given. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. God's the spark. God's the one doing this. And so we trust him that He will work. And so sometimes that that obstacle, thinking about the heaviness of mission, is, I'm just too busy. I just got too many things going on. It's just one more thing stacked on top. And the response to that, then, is to seek selfless rather than selfish pursuits, right? Because the selfish pursuits actually cause the frenzy. Because we're, we're trying to get in all these things. And what we have to do is ask the Lord, are these, I mean, they may be fine things, but are they most important things? And so I want to encourage you in response to this, knowing that Jesus makes burdens light. Make others a priority, okay? Make others a priority. There's lots we could talk about here, but if with Jesus, burdens are made light. Make others a priority, I just want to invite you to start there, thinking about how do I see other people as not the burden? Because that's not how Jesus sees them. I had a good friend who talks about our, our tendency is to see people as scenery. Right? We view people as, as just scenery. They're just background. Because I'm the star on stage, and I've got things to do. And so the people, they're just making up the background. They're just the extras in my grand movie. I, I was sitting at a volleyball game yesterday and I, I was, and I was thinking about it later and I realized, oh, you know what? I go in, I get competitive, I get excited. I get, and, and if I'm not careful, that's what happens. All these people around me, they just become scenery. I'm not thinking about the people around. I'm not thinking about how I can engage people, how I can talk to people, how I can be friendly. And I, again, I'm not talking here about being, you know, extroverted versus introverted, all those things. I'm not saying make others priority. So you got to go meet 30 people, you know, in the next five minutes. That's not what we're getting at. It's an attitude. It's an approach that says I'm willing to see other people as the priority. Ears on, eyes up. People, not scenery. Here's the second thing to know about Jesus' presence is that with the spirit, weakness is made strong. With the Holy Spirit, weakness is made strong. I want you to hear the the Great Commission part deux, okay? Acts chapter 1, verse 4. This is after probably what had taken place. It's after what had taken place there in Matthew 28. It says, while he was with them, talking about Jesus, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the Father's promise, which, he said, you've heard me speak about for John baptized with water but you will be baptized with the holy spirit in a few days. So when they had come together they asked him, "Lord, are you restoring the kingdom to Israel at this time?" Like they thought this was going to mean all kinds of like right now we're going to we're going to be the dudes in charge. And he said to them, "It's not for you to know times or periods that the father has set by his own authority." but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. How how does Jesus leave us with himself? He he leaves us with himself through his Holy Spirit. He'd been talking about this. Look, I'm gonna go away, he says in John, but it's gonna be good for you. Jesus, how can this be good for us? You gotta be thinking now, "You, you said you're with us always. How is this gonna work? He says, I'm going to send God to you, but differently. God, the Holy Spirit will be with you. And when that happens, weakness is made strong. See, that's the other uh, another obstacle. We often think, mission, it's just, it's too hard. I'm not gifted enough. I'm not extroverted enough. I'm not eloquent enough. I don't have the right words. I don't have the right insights. I don't, I just don't respond quite right enough. We've got all those obstacles, and I resemble those remarks, okay? All those things. Go back to the 90s, okay, another one. This nobody will know, maybe, I don't think, okay? But uh, uh, somebody, uh, a singer that I knew of back then when I was in college, he wrote a song called Up to Me. Here's the line. He said, someone ought to tell them about Jesus, but that's just not my gift, so you probably shouldn't leave that up to me. Now, he, he was not saying that like, seriously, he was saying that, but that's the thought that pops to mind. Yeah, yeah, I want people to know this great new story, to, to have a different allegiance. I want them to hold, know this great new way of living, but it's not, uh, it's just not my thing, so Jesus probably shouldn't leave that up to me. But Jesus' plan, even before we knew there was a commission and could balk, was to give us himself. And here are the early returns, okay? I want you to see the early results. Acts 4.13, the mission is going. I mean, like, it's happening, just as Jesus said it would in Acts 1. And so people are getting uncomfortable who don't like to see what's happening here. And and they call Peter and John into this trial of sorts. And it says that the the leaders, when they observed the boldness of Peter and John and realized that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed and what? Recognized that they had been with Jesus. See, the the presence of Jesus in their lives is what transformed these guys. They're untrained. They're uneducated. They're not supposed to be able to stand against the, the powers that be the religious powers that be, and explain themselves the way these guys were. But they had been with Jesus, and Jesus was transforming them, and his presence, it it was real. And so we see it even later then, this Apostle Paul, he says in 2 Corinthians 12, I take pleasure in weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, difficulties for the sake of Christ. Why? Because when I'm weak, then I'm strong. He he just begun to learn. He's like, look, I've been through it all. And Paul was through the ringer. He says, I've gone through all this stuff, but what I keep figuring out, what I keep learning is when it seems like there's no way I should be here, I should be doing this thing. God's strong. His presence is faithful. And he helps me. This, This just became their experience. So I want to encourage you then, persist in prayer. Persist in prayer. We rely on God the Spirit through prayer. So I've been encouraging I mean, just one idea here, right? To be praying for Bob. I encourage you again, pray for Bob, pray for a burden, for the loss. That goes back to making people a priority. Pray for opportunities to talk about your faith. And pray for boldness to actually proclaim Christ. Not just talking vague generalities, but to really talk about Jesus. Last obstacle, last, last point about the presence of Jesus. Oftentimes the obstacle is, well, I just, I, I want to do this. I, I, I'm trying. I just don't have the opportunities. I just don't have the opportunities. And so I want to just remind you here, with the body of Christ, gifts are shared. With the body of Christ, gifts are shared. 1 Corinthians 12, we're told, Just as the body is one and has many parts and all the parts of that body, though many are one body, so also is Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit into one body. Anyway, we'll stop there. I was just going to read verse 12. It also tells us in Romans 12, For by the grace given to me, I tell everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he should think. Instead, think sensibly as God has distributed a measure of faith to each one. Now as we have many parts in one body... And all the parts do not have the same function. All the parts do not have the same function. In the same way, we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Very often, we hear mission. We hear, yeah, I want to be a part of that. And if we're not careful, we become like Atlas. And the weight of the world is now on our shoulders to get that commission done. And we think, uh, it's me. I've got to have it all. I've got to do it all. But this isn't how Jesus set it up. When he, he told us that he would be with us, part of how we, ex- we know his presence, part of how he wants us to experience his presence, is because he's left us each other. We are the body of Christ. And, and that doesn't mean, well, you know, they're really good at talking. I never have to say anything about my faith. That, no. But as the mission gets done, as we as we engage in this, what this often means is, you know, some of you, you meet like you just walk down the street and people just start talking to you. Like you have so many people that you're you're you know and are making connections with, you don't know what to do with them. And others of you, 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 you don't that doesn't happen. <laughs> but but if you were able to sit down with somebody, man, you're so warm, so tuned in to people's like what's going on in their lives. Like if you just could meet somebody who didn't yet know the Lord or was wrestling with things, they would be so blessed because they would hear from you, they would see somebody who cares. And it doesn't mean that that person walking down the street with all the people flocking to them doesn't care. It just means we're just different and we need each other. We need what each other can bring to the table. And so I just encourage you here, when we talk about mission, team up. Team up. Don't go at it alone. Part of the way we team up, part of the way we help each other is I'm going to do a workshop that I've been talking about next Monday, February 6th. That's a place where you can come and get some help from somebody else in learning some things. That's part of how we team up. But I also encourage you here when it comes to teaming up, if you say, you know what, I would love to talk to somebody who is not a Christian about what it means to know Jesus and I'd love to have that conversation. I say, okay, that's great. If you don't know somebody yet, that's fine. But how many of those conversations are you having with the people who do know Jesus in your life? See, there's this tendency within the body of Christ for us to edit Jesus out of our conversations, okay? Okay. So I want to just, I want to tell you a a quick story. This comes from a book called Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life. Donald Whitney, he writes this story, and I'm not sure, this is one of those stories, sometimes evangelism stories, they just like get passed around, like for decades and stuff. You're like, I don't know where this story actually started. But it's a good story, illustrates the point. Donald Whitney writes, he said, I heard the story of a man who became a Christian during an evangelistic emphasis in a city in the Pacific Northwest. And when the man told his boss about it, his employer responded with, that's great, I'm a Christian. I've been praying for you for years. But the new believer was crestfallen. Why didn't you ever tell me you were a Christian? You were the very reason I've not been interested in the gospel all these years. How can that be, the boss wondered. I've done my very best to live the Christian life around you. That's the point, explained the employee. You live such a model life without telling me it was Christ who made the difference. I convinced myself that if you could live such a good and happy life without Christ, then I could too. I, I, there, there's this balance, right? Like Sometimes we think, oh, I need to now, if I'm going to talk about my faith, that means that you know, every time something happens, I've got to find just that punchy segue that brings it up. Oh, you know, you know Mahomes' ankle is hurt. You know whose ankle really hurt? Jesus when he was on the cross, right? I mean, <laughs> right, but sometimes that's that, that thought, like that's how we gotta be, this is the only way. That's what I'm talking about. What I am talking about is if Jesus is the king, then we can really talk about the things he does in our life with just one another, our conversations don't have to live on the surface. There's a place for talking about the weather. Talking about the weather is really important. Okay? Don't, don't mishear me. Because it's a way to, to connect with one another. It's a way to begin relationships. and, and, and con- There's a place for small talk. But if that's all we ever do, and we can't even talk about Jesus with each other, if, if the reality of, of Christ living in us and through us can't come up in just our everyday conversations with one another, why in the world am I going to be bold enough to talk to somebody that I'm pretty sure doesn't share my opinion? I'm just not. It's just not going to happen. This is part of how God gives us himself. He gives us the body of Christ to learn, to talk, to, to engage with one another, to, to make the reality of this really sink in. And so I say, don't edit God out of your conversations, and don't wait until you can say everything to say anything. Sometimes, man, unless I can give you all the, you know, like I can go all the way back and tell you what happened back in Genesis, and, and then tell you why the virgin birth was so important, and, and until I can give you all the this, 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 I won't say anything, because I don't have time to tell you. No, just, you can talk about all kinds of things. If somebody is interested, okay, we, I can answer that. We can talk more, or you know, I, don't, you know, I don't actually know, but I, I'm with this bunch of people that are known as the local church. Some of them, one of them is bound to know something. Well, we have each other for a reason. This is part of how Jesus has given us himself. I want to wrap up, take you back to something we looked at week one. Romans eleven thirty six. 36. We are told, from him... And through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. God's greatness is the fuel for mission. His power and presence is the spark, right? It's from him. It's through him. But the fire that results is glorious. It brings glory to him. Or as we've said throughout this series, that, or the point of this series is that what we do up close and personal, just like what Jesus did up close and personal for us, that up close and personal can reach very, very far. And that's what God intends to do in and through his people. Let's pray together. Father, Man, where would we be without you? Some of us, we might have decent lives, just making our way because that happens, that, that's possible. But God, you, you've given us eternal hope. You've rescued us from our rebellion. Are there any here who don't yet know that personally? My, my deep prayer for them is that today would be a day of salvation, a day where they would trust you and recognize and realize just all that, begin to understand what it means to be brought into your family. God, I pray that you would raise our temperature not in, in a way that burns brightly and fades but God, would you help us to steadily, steadily burn faithfully through your spirit, through your power, to care about others and to see you receive the glory that you do. Guide us, Lord, for your sake. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you again for joining us today. We pray that you were encouraged by the message and equipped to take your next step with Jesus. Visit us online at thegrovekc.com for more ways to connect with us and join us again next week for another podcast from the Grove Church. Have a great day.